Okay, so John, do you want low energy or high energy in this episode? Always high energy. High energy? Yeah, high energy. Great. Energy. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs films that don't have any. I'm Harry, and joining me as always is my co-host with the mo-host, John Lucas. Wow, someone's had a drink. <laughs> 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 what did you think? So, well, first of all, introduce the film. Oh, yeah. So, uh, wait, is it my choice this week? Yes. It was your choice. Uh, District 9. You chose District 9, yeah? Which, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Wow. It's uh, it's intense, isn't it? My God. I had completely forgotten how intense it is. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd never seen this film before, but you obviously you had because it was your pick. So, yeah. yeah I, and I realised very early on that this wasn't the film I thought it was. It wasn't the film I remember it being. No, but I mean, I literally thought this was another film. I, I thought this was Cloverfield. Oh, right. Oh, oh. I, I went see. in thinking that this film, having not seen either, yeah. somehow the vague plot of Cloverfield, because I think they're both kind of found footage kind of style, aren't they? Well, I haven't seen Cloverfield, but I think that one is found footage, whereas this one was much more of a documentary type thing. Wasn't yeah, it? exactly. So I went in thinking this was like an alien horror with teenagers and more like Blair Witchy but with aliens. Right. <laughs> uh, and was immediately wrong-footed when it mm-hmm. turned Yeah, because it opened, it was like, oh, is this The Office? Like it, They had that very kind yeah. of... Are we at Dunder Mifflin? It was very... Um, what did you think of his office clothes, by the way? Oh, so bland. So deliciously bland. <laughs> so, so great. <laughs> I had a lot of uh, questions about some of the costume choices in this film, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I really enjoyed it. It just, it took some turns. This, this film really... It started, it started kind of quite funny, mm-hmm. and then it got super, super intense. Yes. I put this on at like 10 o'clock on Sunday night before bed. I was like, I'll just, I'll just knock this out before bed, and then, mm. you know... It's under two hours. It should be fairly easy watch. Mm-hmm. And then, oh my god, it was it was pretty hard going. Like, well, not hard going. It was it was it was really good to watch. I really enjoyed it, but it was exhausting. Mm. It just because it really doesn't let up. Once it once it kicks off, it just does not let up. Yeah. Tell me what, why you chose this film and tell your experiences with it. Well, this director's known for a lot of uh, single films, which really lend themselves to sequels, mm-hmm. but have never got them. So yeah, he did this. This was his breakout film, wasn't it? And then I he's think so, yeah. subsequently done Elysium and Chappie. Mm-hmm. Have you seen either of those? I've seen both of them. Okay, so you're a fan of his work in general then? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, uh, they're both very eligible for our podcast. Okay. Elysium, I didn't, I found it was a bit of a miss. Mm-hmm. It was one of Matt Damon's worse films. I know, <laughs> worse. That, I know that you don't like him. That's Sorry? not true. I like, I like Matt Damon a lot. Um, I find him a little bit serious sometimes, but I've definitely taken him over Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. I feel like Matt Damon is quite self-conscious these days, and he takes very mm-hmm. self-consciously serious roles on. Mm-hmm. Whereas I like Matt Damon when he's a little bit more out there. Have you ever seen The Talented Mr. Ripley? No, that's a very good Matt Damon film. I've been wanting for us to do it for a while, which we'll get to at some point. But, sure, um, sure. Although again, it technically has a sequel, but it was straight to DVD and he wasn't in it, and I just don't, I don't accept that. So we'll, okay, yeah. we need to work on these rules. We do, yeah. But <clears throat> uh, yeah, but I don't dislike Matt Damon. But Elysium wasn't a good film, though. No, uh, well, it, it was, it was fine, but okay. it. Uh... I don't know, maybe need to watch it again and uh, and, and see. Chappie, on the other hand, great. A lot of similarities to Different Nine there. Okay. So, what did you think of the sort of the racist undertones in this film? Oh, yeah, well, it's very clearly... They, they weren't very undertones, were no, they? No, it was pretty clear <laughs> that it was doing a holopath, I think. Yeah, I thought it was really well done in many ways. I thought it was really interesting the way that they characterised the aliens as these kind of gross bug creature things. It kind of mm-hmm. puts you immediately at a certain level of distance from them but then mm. obviously and it takes 
takes a little while for you to realize that they are human. I was a bit, a little bit unclear on whether Christopher is it Christopher Johnson. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I love the bland names they give to. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so was it? I know one of the characters said. I think um, Charles Copley's character says that he is more supposed to be more. Christopher Johnson is supposed to be more intelligent than most of the aliens. Mm. The prawns, sorry. Mm-hmm. But is that true or is that just his prejudice? Because it felt like he was. Because it felt like the aliens were were very kind of... Unorganised? Yeah, it felt like the aliens were very kind of chaotic and mm. just like very quick to violence. And, mm-hmm. But then maybe they're, they're not being treated very well, so maybe that's just yeah you know, a reaction to that. But yeah, because somebody says something along the lines of that they're workers, so I've got the sense that they're like ants in the sense that like the queens or whatever, the... The more intelligent ones have obviously died in this accident. They've been left kind of without any sense of purpose, which I thought mm-hmm. was an interesting yeah. kind of premise. But then you have Christopher Johnson, who seems very thoughtful. Um, and obviously he's like the moral centre of the film in many ways. Much more so than Charlotte Copley's character. Definitely, yeah. Who goes on a journey but isn't particularly likable. No, he's not. Yeah. Obviously, it's, when it got to things like the vivisection and all that kind of stuff... Um, when, when they find all the medical experiments happening that are mm. being committed on the prawns, it's quite horrifying. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting, though. I don't know if this is just, I don't know if this is just me. For a film that's kind of an obvious anti-racism... Well, mm-hmm. it's, it's a comment on racism. It's, it's telling a story. It's an allegory for racism. Yeah, And yet much. I thought the Nigerian characters were really portrayed in a very negative and quite stereotypical light. Uh, yes. <laughs> and yeah, actually, they, they very much were. And I've read not just the fact that they were gangsters, because I feel like it's probably acceptable to tell a story. I mean, I'm not the person to say what's acceptable. I'm not, I don't want to be that white guy who says what isn't what isn't isn't <laughs> racism. So that's not what I'm trying to do here. But I feel like there is a st- probably a legitimate story about how in st- in societies probably like South Africa and at certain points in South Africa's history, in which whites have all the power in governments, then the black community maybe ex- exerts their power through criminality through the gang, a gang structure instead mm-hmm. because that's the structure that they can mm-hmm. cre- that, that they can have some kind of power over so i think that's a that story could have been legitimate but what i thought was weird was bringing in all the kind of occult stuff with all the nigerians wanting to eat the aliens arms to absorb their witch power it just felt yeah that felt very it felt weird and othering and mm. uncomfortable and I've, I've i've kind of googled a little bit and apparently there was quite a lot of backlash from the nigerian community about the fact that Neil Blomkamp made that choice. I don't know if he's ever commented on it or not. So I couldn't find anything. But yeah, I thought that was weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it set up an interesting kind of kind of dichotomy. Like the free, I like the fact that there were three separate communities kind of uneasily in the same place. So you've got the yeah. prawns, you've got the white South African, the government essentially, mm-hmm. and then you've got the Nigerian gangland structure. And it, the way it all comes together, and it's kind of a classic kind of gangster kind of plotline in which all these different groups kind of are thrown together and it's a power struggle and mm-hmm. it obviously erupts into massive violence and so I thought it was really interesting but yeah I thought it was just a bit of a weird choice to make them so almost yeah just just so kind of witchy and weird and occulty it, it felt like an unusual choice but no I thought, on the whole I thought it did a really good job of portraying that race angle without being too heavy-handed well I don't feel like it was heavy-handed in any way but I don't really feel like any character in the film sort of learned a lesson Mm. On how racism is bad, for example. Yeah. So, main character, at one point when uh, that guy is telling him, oh, it's going to take me three years to turn you back into a human. Mm-hmm. He's just like, oh, well, fuck you then. I'll do it myself. Yeah. Which... Which I, felt short-sighted. Yeah, just like, I'm really like, what is your plan? You don't even know how to fly this ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it, yeah. 
I don't know. The the main character just didn't seem to learn any lessons at any point. No, and I, I think that's okay. I think I don't think you necessarily need to have it like a hug it out moment and like a moment of complete realization. I felt like he had a moral moment at the end where he he got to a point where he saw the prawns as human enough that he felt some sympathy for Christopher Johnson and his kid mm-hmm. to the point where he was willing to, at least in the moment, sacrifice his own sacrifice himself so that Christopher and his son could escape. So. Mm-hmm. I felt that was fine. He, I mean, he, Charlotte Copley, so good. Oh yeah, so well cast. Yeah, yeah. I'd only ever seen him in Free Fire before this, so that, this, this, that was my first experience of him, and we both saw that together and really of liked it. Of course, that was him, wasn't it? Did you not realize? <laughs> who else? In, who else in Hollywood has that accent? How could you possibly not have made, joined those dots? Come on. <laughs> I knew, he, I knew he seemed familiar. So, but he was in that as well. And for those who haven't seen Free Fire, he. He very much is playing the same character in many ways. Just well, he's playing that same accent. That's very much not the same character. Well, no, but I what mean, are you talking about? This guy in District Nine, he's so awkward and sort of unconfident about everything. I wouldn't say he's unconfident. I feel like he's he's got that happy-go-lucky vibe that the the, the character in Free Fire as well, where he's kind of just bumble, bumbling through. And it's only when he gets transformed that suddenly he goes off the deep end of it. But I thought they had a similar kind of. Almost like they were idiots who somehow found themselves in positions of having power and or a lot of firearms at their disposal. Hey, Vern. Is everybody like you where you come from? Vern is a rare and mysterious jewel. Feast your eyes, Boyki. Watch and Vern. Then go back to your miserable ass. There's a little similarity there, but on the whole, I disagree. Maybe it's just the accent. Maybe I'm just saying yeah. that the accent is just one. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was really good because he is... Well, again, maybe this is just me finding the accent funny, but because he is quite... I was primed to find him funny. Because mm-hmm. and uh, To be fair, all the other characters refer to him as a bit of a bumbler. Anyway. He reminded me of Ricky Gervais. Yeah, that, that real, it really was an office vibe. It was so weird. Like, yeah. Because of the mockumentary format as well. Yeah. It really had an office vibe. And, and so initially it's kind of... It's just uncomplicatedly funny that this character is kind of... He still seems so ill-suited to the, what he's doing and he kept getting into these awkward social situations where he's trying to get the prawns to sign the least, the documents that means that they mm-hmm. can be evicted. But then it takes a really sinister turn with the abortion scene. Oh, God, yeah, that's... That is tough. It's so dark. <laughs> it is so dark. Yeah. But because he plays it, like, he's laughing... Mm. And he doesn't change his performance. It's he. he it's it, they're so dehumanized to him that he talks about how it sounds like popcorn popping. It's literally setting fire to a bunch of unborn fetuses, essentially. And mm. it's but because he's not someone you immediately think, well, that's a villain, because he's kind of funny and comedic. It, it worked even more because suddenly the switch to horror. It felt more jarring because it came from a, a place of comedy, and you didn't really. It snuck up on you. I think. I think the horror mm-hmm. of what they were doing really snuck up on you, mm-hmm. which I liked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go in and abort each egg one at a time. It take a very long time. So this makes a lot of sense. You hear that? You hear that? That's a popping sound that you're hearing. It's almost like a popcorn. Now what the egg does is it, 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 it pops up. You know, the little guy, what's left of him, pops out there. So that's the sound that you are hearing with, with the popping. You don't need that, man. I was also obsessed with the accent. <laughs> Glad I've said that before, but no, I was specifically obsessed with the way they said fuck. Because they say it a lot in this film. Did you? I, I don't know uh, on the copy you watched, but the subtitles for mm. "fuck" was it spelled F O O K? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly how it's pronounced. <laughs> it almost sounded because I'm from Liverpool originally, and I've it sounded almost scouse to me when it was like "fuck this, fuck that, fuck, 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 fuck." Yeah. It was amazing. 
Get it to put the fucking weapons in the back, man! Pass him, pass him! Pass him, pass him! Give me the fucking weapons, man! Don't you fucking look at me. I see it. Don't fucking look at me! So this film was produced by Peter Jackson. And it was I didn't notice that until the credits came on. Yeah, It was at the beginning. Did you not notice the end credits? Uh, until the end credits, I mean, yeah, I, oh. I, I missed the start. Oh, okay, so the first Whatever. frame it says a Peter Jackson production. Ah. <laughs> um, I could totally tell because it's such a him film for me. Is it? Not in the sense of... Uh, have you only seen Lord of the, Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films? I think so. I've seen a lot of Peter Jackson's early stuff when he did a lot of kind of body horror. He did films like uh, Brain Dead and Bad Taste and Meet the Feebles, mm-hmm. which were these kind of low-budget horror movies. That are really funny. I kick ass for the Lord! I mean, I don't know what his actual role in with this. He probably just funded it, helped it get made, because he was mm. famous at the time. But the scenes with a lot of the graphics in the film, when he's when when people are getting like blown up and decapitated and have their arms ripped off, that felt very mm. P- Peter Jackson with a budget kind of. Okay, yeah, sure. I really, really enjoyed that. So I could see what attracted him to this film because there's a lot of there is a lot of body horror in this film. There really is. <laughs> I really find it hard to watch any scene when someone's fingernails fall off. Oh. It's just... Oh, I had to watch that through my fingers, actually. I had to turn away. It was really unpleasant. <laughs> oh, yeah. That whole that whole transformation is just just difficult. And then a bit where he rips his flesh off. Yeah, yeah. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a height. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. this film is not for the squeamish. It's definitely no. quite gory in places. Did you feel like his transformation kind of sped up and slowed down kind of arbitrarily in some places? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like he got a, he got an arm real quickly, and then and lasted then, for a long time. And then that's he just stayed at that same place, and then pretty much for the rest of the film. And then with the final shot, at some point he becomes full. And mm. there's some little things like you see his eye change, but on the mm. whole, he's mostly the same from that point. Which I guess is just necessity for him to be able to still mm-hmm. be running around and doing things. But yeah, that felt a, weird. it would have to be a different film. But in a different film, I'd like to see that transformation but from his point of view mm-hmm. sort of like him going a lot more crazy and losing his sight a little bit or... oh so you want this like almost a midquel like a film that takes place between the end of the film but before you see him as a full sort of thing yeah but yeah. like I'd like to see it through his eyes yeah it would be quite interesting to see something where suddenly all the vision in your left eye completely changes mm-hmm. maybe the hearing in your right ear goes and mm-hmm. well it reminded me a lot of The Fly have you ever seen The Fly? I know about it, but I haven't yeah. seen it. It was very much that, but mm. yeah, in which the, the character slowly transforms into this monster and, sim- and very gory in the same way as well. But yeah, mm. it, it kind of cuts, whereas The Fly really follows that through, whereas this kind of obviously skips a lot because it's more about the action. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it definitely felt like it was inspired by a lot of those kind of 80s body horror films, like the old Peter Jackson stuff and like The Fly. So, yeah. which Now, one thing about this film, I'm not, I, I don't really like to point out things and say, hey, that was stupid. <laughs> I mean, I do. But that point where Christopher Johnson, or whatever his name is, with his yellow friend, they're in the lab and they've just made this cylinder that's got the liquid in it. Mm-hmm. And then they come, th- th- a raid happens. And so he says to his friend, okay, you take this. No, I'm not going to take it. Mm-hmm. You take this. And then you talk to them and get rid of them or whatever. And Chris Johnson just runs off out of the back. Why did he not take the thing? Why did he leave it with his friend who's also got to get rid of the, the people? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, like, the... At any point, was he not going to get away safely? Yeah. Safer than the person who has to go and talk to the people who are doing the eviction. I feel like it was a big a big mistake for somebody who's supposed to be quite smart. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of little weird logic jumps towards the end of this film, I thought. Like, the fact that the kid can suddenly fly the plane. The plane that's been shot down. 
Or the spaceship, sorry. Uh, yes. I that felt very convenient. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Do you feel feel like that kid felt like he was in a different film? What do you mean? It was very cute. It just felt like quite, quite cutesy. And um, I guess, again, it's a way of humanizing the prawns. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of maybe he felt a bit scrappy doish to me. It was like he didn't. He was just yeah, like running around being cute, and it felt like that could be a kids' film almost. His partner. I, I was almost. I'm not. This isn't my sequel. But I was imagining like a kids' film version of this with just that little baby prawn running around and having loads of wacky adventures. I was gonna make that my my, my yeah, idea, yeah. but I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't couldn't come up with it. Mm-hmm. But you suddenly the, the the child prawn suddenly got very technically. He got very competent very quickly towards the end. Mm. When he t- was there any explanation for how he was able to control the suit? That felt a bit like a random... Well, he was able to fly the ship. Yeah, but then he did this... I mean, when the, the, he remotely controls the suit that then shoots all the Nigerians. Oh, was he remotely controlling the suit? I assumed so. Why uh, else did the suit... The, I the assumed suit the, suit, the suit was running in auto. Just, just randomly turned on at that moment. No, I'm pretty sure he was supposed to be remotely controlling it. Huh. Which leads to another question. Yeah. There's a whole run through this film about how the... Only aliens can shoot the alien weaponry, which is super powerful and just blows people up. Mm. So why did none of the aliens ever use it? I, I've thought of all these questions and yeah. I have answers to them all. Oh, okay, good, good, good. So, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Good. Uh, they also dropped the documentary thing real quickly halfway through the film. Did you notice that? Like half of the film is this like mock documentary thing, and then it just kind of stops. And it then does, it becomes it? Like, more of a standard film. <laughs> yeah. And there's not. Yeah, I guess because they. But it felt like they just ran out of ways to incorporate that into the filming, so they just kind of like, oh, let's just drop it. It didn't feel like it naturally faded out. It felt like it just kind of, oh, that's not happening anymore, I guess. I didn't feel like it was such a snap thing. But it wasn't yeah, a snap, but it was like... It, it, it was more like definitely no- disappeared. Yeah, it, felt, it was more like I noticed 10 minutes into it stopping, like, oh, they're not doing the documentary anymore. Mm. Like, it would have been better if it was a snap thing. Like, maybe the cameraman gets shot and then suddenly you're back in the real world. But instead it was just like, oh, I guess they're not doing that anymore. No. Nope. So... We're criticizing this a lot, but actually, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was a, this was a lot of fun. It mm-hmm. was very, very clever, very well made. The villain, the human villain, Corpus mm. uh, Cor, what was his name? Corbus, Corbus. The, the human villain Corbus. Mm-hmm. He had a total Doctor Evil moment at the end, didn't he? Where he just talks and thought, "I'm going to enjoy shooting you." Just, just shoot him already. Like he really dragged that out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Now I know why everybody wants a piece of you. I can't wait for those mid boys to catch you up. But you know what? You're not going to waste any more of my time. You half-breed piece of shit! I'm going to just fucking kill you myself. Yeah, that was a bit of a low point, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, what was the end game for the humans in this film? What were they, what were they trying to achieve? Oh, yeah, I'm going to talk about that as well. Because, like, I mean, a lot of them were just trying to get rid of the prawns mm. or just get them out of the way. But then also they just wouldn't let them leave. Yeah, that's what I mean. It felt like when the alien ship appears, they were like, shit, shoot it down, shoot it down. Whereas you'd think, this is the best opportunity you're going to get to get rid of this a problem. Like, mm. And yet they see, yeah, I didn't... When it became this massive thing to... To hunt down Wickers at all costs. That's Shato Kaplan's character. Mm-hmm. It felt like, why? Why are you so invested in this? Like, what's... I mean, I guess when they initially thought they could use him as a weapon. Mm-hmm. But then, it, yeah, it just felt like, I don't know what your endgame with all this is at all. Like, well, forgetting him, it was always to... To weaponize. You, you, yeah, yeah, use him as a weapon, apart from just that one evil guy who just wanted to kill him. But yeah, the, the aliens leaving or anything, nah, that didn't really make much sense from the human's point of view. Mm-hmm. I think it was just blind racism. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Just got to a point where it was just it was just 
they were so invested in the whole destructive element. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, no, good choice. Very good film. Oh, well, thank you. Any I um, hope you enjoyed coming up with your story. I did. Yeah, it's my turn not to go first this week, so I'll go first. Yeah. So my sequel, I've gone a little bit off my usual beaten track this week. I've done something a little bit different. And mine is actually going to be a TV series. Ooh. Okay. Now, you challenged me to not do District 10 last week. Yes. And I haven't. Because te- I, thought, I thought that it was a very obvious... Yeah. I haven't choice. technically done District 10. <laughs> technically, it's not called District 10. It may I, be set in District 10. I had this thought while, while doing my thing. If I don't call it District 10, does it still fit with my rule? Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> the, the thing is, if you're going to do a sequel, how can it not be about District 10? And mine is a sequel. So. Well, yeah, sure. So anyway, it's a, it's a TV series called District 9, Prawns and Recreation. <laughs> Okay, okay. Because, you know, watching the first 10 minutes in particular of the film, Mm. I was very struck by this kind of mockumentary format. And I was like, oh, it's like The Office. It's also like Parks and Recreation. Mm -hmm. Those are both shows that use that format to tell their stories. So that'd be interesting. So my sequel, it's set in the aftermath of the first film. And the prawns have now been relocated to this District 10. Okay. However, the public attention that fell on... The MNU, which is the government mm-hmm. agencies, the, where they abused the prawns and, you know, they were vi- cutting them up and doing medical experiments on them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the public attention that has been brought onto that has resulted in a concerted effort by the government to treat prawns more humanely. Mm-hmm. Because people have just become very aware of, much like apartheid, apartheid, it's got to a point where people are actually protesting this and people are actually standing up for the rights of the prawns. Okay. Um and also, in moving the <clears throat> prawns to a new district, they the government wants want to avoid that kind of ghettoization from happening again because that was really hard to control. So they mm. don't want this situation where it rapidly descends into kind of gang violence and chaos. Mm-hmm. So to kind of stop that from happening, they've set up a local council working in the area. So it's fifty percent human prawn representation on the staff of this local government. Okay. And this mockumentary show with this this TV series is a mockumentary in the style of Parks and Recreation, and it's actually about the Parks and Recreation Department of District 10. <laughs> okay. So the, the Parks and Recreation Department, it's headed by um, a woman named Leslie Vandenope, <laughs> who, of course, is just played by Amy Poehler again. Except this time she's doing a really thick, safe African accent, which may be really funny. I should stop this right away, shouldn't I? <laughs> no, carry on, not please. A stro- not a strong point. Not, my <laughs> South African's not as good as my French. But okay, this is quite, I've, I'll be honest, mind, this is quite a thin plot this week because basically I'm essentially imagining mo- most of this is just basically going to be the cast of Parks and Recreation but with ridiculous South African accents. Okay. So that's basically where, where I'm going with this. Yeah. Okay, let's go okay. down to the pub. That's right. Get we'll a pub. point. We'll yes. put our knickers in the Beatle okay. records. Yeah, this that's... is an English accent. So she's essentially the same character, except she's doing it in this accent. And much like the plot of Parks and Recreation, Leslie's responsibility is to kind of oversee the development of green spaces and recreational public works to keep the prawn community kind of healthy, happy, and occupied. Mm-hmm. And so it's gonna, the plot-wise, I want this to run pretty much along, exactly along the same lines as Parks and Recreation. So if you've seen Parks and Recreation, this will be very familiar to you. If not, I will talk through the basic premise now. Mm-hmm. Um, half the cast of Parks and Recreation... Are going to basically reprise their roles. They're going to, and as I said, they're going to just do it in South African accents. Mm. The other half are going to be prawns, mm-hmm. so it's going to be like a broad 50-50 split. Because I like the idea that it's going to be much the same show, but with a lot more kind of random acts of violence and people getting their arms ripped off. Question: Okay, do you have a prawn Swanson? 
Well, I'm going to get to that. <laughs> Prawn Swanson's a really good name. That didn't occur to me, but Prawn Swanson, that is fantastic. Um, but we'll get to him. Okay. So in season one, Leslie befriends a prawn named Anne Perkins. Because okay. the prawns all have bland names. Anne Perkins oh, yeah, is the yeah. blandest name in the world. So it really yeah. is. So, and she is a prawn living in District 10 who has a giant hole at the back of her slum house mm. uh, that she wants to have filled in. Mm-hmm. And so this becomes Leslie's kind of mission for season one, much like in Parks and Rec. So uh, while she's doing this, she falls deeply in love with Anne, as Leslie falls in love with Anne in Parks and Recreation, mm-hmm. who she considers to be the most beautiful and intelligent creature on the face of the earth. Oh, Anne, you beautiful, naive, sophisticated newborn baby. What? Anne, you beautiful tropical fish. Anne, you're beautiful and you're organized. Anne, you beautiful spinster. I will find you, love. Even though Anne frequently gets angry and tries to rip her face off. (laughs) (laughs) She's just blind to that. Um, Anne is also sleeping with a human called Andy Vander Dwyer. Everyone's just, all the humans are just X Vander X, because I feel like that's just how (laughs) South African names are. Sure, okay. Slightly racist, but I'm just going to commit to it. It's um, in theme. Yep. So Andy is a human. He's taken to hanging out in District 10 playing his music because he's been banned from playing in any of the human districts of Johannesburg. Okay. Because he's terrible. Yep. Yeah. Obviously, he's going to be played by Chris Pratt again. So he's, he, as I say, he's dating Anne, who's mm-hmm. a prawn. Mm-hmm. But midway through the season, Anne gets tired of the relationship and attempts to disembowel him. <laughs> but he, he survives and attempts to win her back by wooing her with kind of gifts. One of the gifts he tries to woo her with is he goes scavenging and finds some precious black goo and ends up getting infected much the same way Wickus is in the original film. <laughs> However, unlike Wickus, he kind of f- finds that to be quite cool. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I think like Andy Dwyer, if he got infected and turned into a crab human, would actually find that really cool and mm-hmm. he'd love it. Yeah. So through the season, we, we track him as he kind of painfully transforms from, from human to prawn with like, you know, start with an arm and a claw and then his eyes go. It's throughout, throughout the whole run of the show. He's going to be progressively becoming more like a prawn and less like a human. Yeah. But as I say, he's just going to be totally into that. Yeah. So he's just going to think it's wicked. Eventually, he's going to give up on winning back Anne, and he's going to fall in love with a sarcastic prawn intern called April Ludgarter, because Afrikaans is much like Dutch, and Dutch is basically the same words as English, but with more vowels thrown in. So all the words are extended with more vowels, basically. So you're taking your European knowledge and applying applying it to to South Africa. Yes, basically. Great. So I feel like April would work really well as a prawn. Yes. Yeah. Because imagine all of her lines, you know, because April would get, this is the character played by Aubrey Plaza in Parks and Recreation, who's a very sarcastic, kind of deadpan character. So imagine all mm-hmm. those lines, but delivered by a alien bug prawn creature. Mm-hmm. I think there's some comedy there. April Ludgate, professional drinker. I think you should lose the first line and the last line and all of the other lines and instead just walk up to the mic and meow really loudly for eight minutes. April, please, I beg of you, I will do anything to keep you from doing that. Okay, so off your pinky toe. No. Shave your head. No. Have sex with Jerry. No. Well, I tried to be reasonable. She's the worst person I've ever met. I want to travel the world with her. Is this going to be one of those cool bachelorette parties where things get out of control and we murder someone and then we all have to take a blood oath to never reveal our secret? No. Then I might have to leave early. So there's going to be a running plot through the show of their relationship as he slowly transforms into a, a, you know, a giant bug creature, whereas she is this kind of lazy prawn intern violently resisting Leslie's attempts to encourage her to kind of you know, pursue a career. Mm-hmm. So Leslie tries to do a mother figure to the April prawn, but April prawn's having none of it. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's more important cast members. We have uh, Leslie's boss, Ron van der Swanson. Now, I actually... This is this joke is really starting to wear thin, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, I've actually chosen to keep Ron as a human. Okay, Although, why? Although Pron Swanson, now that you've said it, <laughs> I'm regretting. I'm really regretting that choice. But I'm going to commit to, what I, to my story. Sure. So, Ron is, is human, but he's been posted to this job against his will, much like Ron is in the original mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he actually has no desire to improve human-prone relationships, and he's constantly trying to undermine the very government body that he's in charge of. Uh, and this is partly a front to disguise the fact that he's actually very sexually attracted to the prawns. And he has two prawn ex-wives, both named Tammy, <laughs> who frequently appear in the show as the supporting characters and kind of wreak havoc on his life. Mm-hmm. Hey, 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 alert, 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 alert. She's here, isn't she? Oh, hey, Ron. What a coincidence. Tammy, this is Diane. Diane, this is a piece of human garbage named Tammy, who is also my ex-wife. So you talk to Tammy. What's it like to stare into the eye of Satan's butthole? You didn't kill Tammy, did you? I'm afraid she can't be killed. Tammy is a mean person. Every time she laughs, an angel dies. So there's going to be an episode in where he's briefly reunited with Tammy too, but the relationship goes pretty badly south when she eats one of his legs. <laughs> and then we also have um, Tom Haverford, the Aziz Ansari character, oh, yeah. who is a prawn. Okay. I think Tom would make a good prawn. Yes, I agree. Yeah, well, and he's Leslie's right-hand man, or right-hand prawn. Okay. So Tom's going to be a character who's spent too much time hanging around with the Nigerian gangland people. So he's actually appropriated a lot of black culture. Much like, again, Tom in Parks and Recreation kind of inappropriately... Well, he's a big hip-hop fan. He's always being quite... You know, yeah, yeah. So it's that character, basically. Because so, I like the idea of a prawn who's constantly dressed in, like, really snappy suits and listening to hip-hop all, 90s hip-hop all day. I mean, that's, <laughs> that could be funny. Does he, at some point, walk into a scene carrying a stereo on her shoulder? Yes, totally. Great. Totally. Like a light-up stereo. Yes. Great. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He's also constantly causing chaos by trying to involve the whole department in his hair-brained kind of get-rich money-making schemes. Yeah. Well... No one else brought me any good business ideas, so I decided to take care of it myself. Talking tissue! Anytime you pull one out, you get a little message to hype you up. Blow that nose, player! Yo, dog, life is what you make of it. Clear them sinuses, playboy! Someone's got the snippies. Tell your mama you love her. Step up your vitamin C game, bro! So, as I say, the show's going to develop along similar lines to Parks and Recreation. Because I feel like in the show, Parks and Recreation, you see how the... The Pawneeans, the citizens of Pawnee, the, the, mm. the town of Parks Recreation, they're really stupid and easily manipulated and they're, like, they're constantly rioting or complaining about something or other. Mm. So they take that to the next level where they're just being constantly going on killing sprees and setting fire to things and trashing the government building. Mm-hmm. Again, plenty of comedy there. Uh, so we're going to have a season or two of that just to let the concept bed in. Okay. And then we're going to introduce some new characters, much like Parks Recreation does. Okay. So one's actually going to be Wickus, the Charter Copley character. Right. Who is going to be... He's going to come back, now fully prawned. He's, you know, he's fully transformed mm. into a prawn. And he's now become the leader of the prawns. Oh. Uh, he's really thrown himself into his job, working for kind of prawn-human relations. Mm-hmm. And he's brought in as Leslie's boss, essentially, and like, the highest-ranking prawn. So basically, he's playing the Chris Traeger character, the Roblo role. Oh, yes. Because did you not feel like... I felt like his character was very Chris Traeger, even in the original film. Yeah, yeah, I think, I, yeah, I agree with that. Because Roblo's character in Parks and Recreation is very excessively positive mm-hmm. and to the point almost of mania. And But then when things do go wrong, he massively spirals. Mm. Like, because the character in the Charlotte Copley character in the film, as again, in the first half of the film, he's this really happy go lucky, oblivious character who's even laughing and joking when he's burning unborn babies. <laughs> but then once he gets infected, 
he becomes really he, he spirals very quickly and becomes this like killing machine. Yeah. Like he kills a lot of people. Yeah. For our ostensible hero of the film. He I got that I started thinking of that running joke with Rick and Morty with all the random side characters who actually have and the flashbacks to all their families more oh, yeah. because there's so so many soldiers get killed in this that like mm-hmm. probably weren't as half as bad as him but mm. it's, it was interesting to me that everyone had sympathy for him at the end it was like oh what a tragedy but not mentioning that he must have killed upwards of 50 people like, mm. but yeah I felt like there was definitely a Chris Traeger Wickers kind of mm-hmm. crossover there so there'll be some conflict there with him and Leslie trying to work together eventually he's going to fall in love with Anne Perkins and mm. even though she's violent and evil um <laughs> And he's going to have an assistant called Ben, uh, who's obviously going to turn out to be Leslie's love interest. I couldn't decide. Do you think Ben should be human or prawn? Prawn. Do you think prawn? Mm. I think. He he, lo- he already looks like a praying mantis. He does. That's true. Adam Scott does have a praying mantis vibe. Yeah. Think, so. Well, I feel like he should start human, but then much like Andy Dwyer, he should get turned into a prawn as the season goes on. Oh, uh, yeah, but he's not happy about it. He's not happy about it at it, all. He, he's the one person who sort of knows what's going on and realises how, how ridiculous this is. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel he was in Parks and Rec. Absolutely, he's when, our voice of reason. Yeah, yeah. So when he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna get turned into a prawn, but he's gonna hate it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have some. Again, I'm thinking very much in terms of pairs. I've kind of, I think Parks and Recreation is a show that has a lot of the characters are in kind of pairs. You've got Andy and April. You've got Leslie and Ben. Mm. You've got Ron and Tom. Mm. You know, Ron yeah. is kind of Tom's, you know, mentor. So then the other, the other pair of characters was Don Amigle and Jerry. So again, which one of those would you make the prawn? It's got to be Jerry, surely. See, again, I disagree. Why? I feel like Donna should be the prawn. Because I feel like in it'd be really funny if you had an office that was filled with violent, disgusting bug creatures, but the most hated character was just this average guy. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's something about, that's the, whole thing, the whole running joke about Jerry in Parks and Rec is this, he's this very nice, normal guy and everyone just mm. inexplicably treats him like shit. Mm. Like, like, he's a bit bumbling, but the, the amount of hatred that gets fired at him when he's clearly quite a nice person. So, yeah. I like that. <laughs> Also, I think Prawn Donna and Prawn Tom would make a really good... Their Treat Yourself days would be really fun. <laughs> It'd just be treat them, like, yourself by two cans of cat food. I just think, yeah, they'd just be like munching on cat food. They'd be like ripping, <laughs> just go, like going on massive killing sprees. They'd be ripping arms off left and right. Just, yeah, be amazing. Mm-hmm. Fine liver goods. Three words for you. Treat yourself. Treat yourself 2011. Once a year, Donna and I spend a day treating ourselves. What do we treat ourselves to? Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massages. Treat yourself. Mimosas. Treat yourself. Fine leather goods. Treat yourself. It's the best day of the year. The best day of the year! So the show's going to follow Leslie as she tries various ways to improve the lives of the prawns in spite of their own kind of self-destructive nature. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the film District 9 as well, Mm -hmm. the prawns did come across, apart from Christopher Johnson, the prawns did come across as quite self-destructive and hard to handle. Yeah. Probably because they've been treated poorly, but even so, I feel like there's something there. And I wanted to throw open some classic kind of Parks and Recreation episodes and try and imagine what they would look like reimagined in a prawn-inhabited South African ghetto. So I tried to think of a few of my favourite episodes. And this is for where I need your help. So Lil Sebastian. What would mm. Lil Sebastian be in a prawn District 9 universe? Mm. Um, well, they did have those they did have like pet kind of things, mm-hmm. those prawns. So would it be one of them? Or, I have, or maybe a pig? Because they have that whole thing with like pigs and cows and goats and things. So oh yeah, true. Maybe true. little Sebastian's like a little pig, and then the aliens end up ripping the pig to shreds, and it's all very sad. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's little Sebastian. Okay. Uh, one of the other good pl- running plot lines through Parks and Rec is uh, Leslie's constant war with the neighbouring town of Eagleton. Oh yeah. Where all the posh people live. 
So I think maybe that's where all the smarter prawns are, like the Christopher Johnson style prawns. Mm. Or maybe they split split up and one went back to District Nine. Yeah. One was District Ten. Oh, okay. So District Nine and Ten. I see. Okay, that's good. Mm. So that's where the. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, I thought also maybe the government was very short-sighted when they put up District 10 and actually placed it next to the most gentrified part of Johannesburg. <laughs> so it actually is just a bunch of really posh, upper-crust arist- aristocrats having to awkwardly coexist <laughs> with these insanely violent stations. Yeah. So, so there's that. Uh, there should definitely be an episode where for some reason the whole gang has to go to London. <laughs> <laughs> just prawns running around London. Yeah, Hilarious consequences ensue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyway, the, you know, the show goes on. And Chris Pratt's character turns back into a human for no reason for a film and, he, and somebody, start, somebody asks why and he says oh yeah I stopped drinking oh that's great yes yes very good yeah <laughs> so eventually Christopher Johnson actually returns from space with a cure for mm. Wickus okay this is probably about five, season 5 or 6 when the show is ready to wrap up but oh is it going to do that thing where the last season is set like 3 years in the future but they have about 50 years ahead 50 years advanced technology yeah we're getting to that so good yeah. so eventually Christopher Johnson comes back from space his home planet he has a cure but Wickers by this point decided that he actually quite likes being a prawn yeah so he and Anne decide to go back to the home planet um, to raise little prawn babies but then his original wife comes back Ooh. and he's torn then because uh, he's torn between his old life and he's got this chance to go back to being a human mm-hmm. or he's got this new life with Anne Perkins the prawn he's like what do I choose what do I choose so I think that's a, a good dramatic episode there mm-hmm. but then I think Anne Perkins is going to make it easier by just ripping his old wife's head off yeah. So there's no decisions we made anymore. So great, yeah. And then yeah, and then we follow Leslie as maybe she runs for District Ten Council at some point, mm-hmm. uh, in which she's probably the sole human serving alongside like a load of prawn councillors. Mm-hmm. I think Councilman Jam definitely a prawn, <laughs> no question. Uh, eventually, she gets pregnant by Prawn Ben. After, you know, Ben's turns oh, yeah, yeah. ends up laying ten thousand prawn eggs in a very unpleasant labour scene. <laughs> <laughs> and then we might get a nice like running joke for that season of her trying to get that work life balance. You know, can women have it all? Well, you know, while she's carrying around ten thousand prawn feces attached to a dissected cow corpse. It was like all the prawn babies, all the prawn feces were like mm. on a drip to a cow feces, yeah. a cow intestine. So. So I'm imagining Leslie Note walking around the council with like a pram filled with prawn babies and then just having like a giant cow intestine hanging over, like just rancid. That'd be quite funny. And then, yeah, much like Parks and Rec, we're going to end with a time jump in which we see that Leslie has become the governor of District 10, mm-hmm. which is now a thriving and prosperous community. However, at the start of, of the final season, Wickers and Ann Perkins, they come back again from because they went back up to the home planet with Christopher Johnson. But now they come back again uh, with a mass alien invasion force, and they've decided to enslave the human race in retribution for the shitty way the humans have treated the aliens since they crash landed. Mm-hmm. So the aliens invade, what basically enslave humanity, and then that's when we see a flash forward to everyone's kind of final fate. Mm-hmm. So Leslie is Leslie and Ben are spared due to their lifelong advocacy for prawn rights, and they continue to work in local government, and they ultimately end up as leading figures in an advocacy group called, <laughs> which is prawn hybrids for the ethical <laughs> treatment of humans. Okay. P H E T H. Ron is sold into prawn sex slavery, which mm. he secretly quite enjoys. <laughs> uh, Andy completes his prawn transformation, but accidentally overdoses on bug spray and dies. Okay. Yeah. Uh, leaving April as a widow, but she's then named ruler of Earth and reigns over the humans with an iron fist. <laughs> I feel like April Ludgate would definitely be <laughs> yeah. some kind of you know, ruler. Uh, Jerry ends up marrying the sexiest prawn in the galaxy and lives happily ever after. Mm-hmm. 
And Prawn Sam and Prawn Donna open a successful street fashion store, which soon becomes like a fashion empire. Because it turns out prawns are just really into 90s hip hop. So <laughs> it just, just, that just spreads. Great. And yeah, that is my pitch for Prawns and Recreation. As I say, it's a TV sitcom based on Parks Prawns and Recreation. Mm-hmm. Whatever next. Mm-hmm. Whatever next. Do you want to hear my idea? Yeah, sure. Unless you have any questions about Prawns and Recreation. As always, no, I never have any questions. <laughs> okay, so mine is a completely different direction. Good. Um, that would have been uh, that would have been a weird one if you both didn't say. Yeah. <laughs> it will happen one week. <laughs> one week, yeah, maybe, maybe. So mine's called District Nine Prawn Origins. Okay. So it's a prequel. Okay. We start on an alien on the alien mothership. Mm-hmm. It's in space somewhere. Um, it's uh, it's an explorer ship. It's looking for new worlds to make contact with. Um, and they've just pulled up, pulled up. <laughs> they've just uh, pulled into orbit around a planet which they're gonna. Uh, touch down on and so our main character in this film is going to be Christopher Johnson okay um, who is an advisor to the leader of the prawns mm-hmm. or of the prawns on this ship at least um, who haven't got what the name with for so what's the most average name you can think of Chris Evans Chris Evans well, there's, two, there's, <laughs> there's already two of them there's the famous Hollywood actor and there's the ginger radio presenter so yeah alright so our main character Christopher Johnson is uh, an advisor to the leader of their race Chris Evans. Cool. <laughs> Can you do a Chris Evans impression? No, I'm not, I wouldn't even begin to attempt a Chris Evans impression. All right. Sorry. Well, yeah, we'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> what does he even sound like? Pardon? What does he even sound like, Chris well, Evans? Chris Evans? Yeah. The radio presenter? Yeah. Not very sort of high-pitched, high-energy, annoying voice. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Yeah, and so th- their race is a it's a hive race. Mm-hmm. So their leader, Chris Evans, is kind of like the the queen bee. Okay, where everybody else is working in unison, they're telepathically linked. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans is in control. Okay, he does still need some advisors for different things and whatever. Okay, which is where Christopher Johnson comes in handy. So they land their ship on this planet. Well, they hover their ship above above a city on this planet, much the same as they did uh, in District Nine. Um, and their dropship comes down, and they make first contact, and it all goes really well. Um, they have a couple of months there. They form an alliance. They well, trying to form an alliance and share technology, um, which all goes well. And the planet decides to join in with the alliance that the pro- the prawns are proposing, um, which is called the Planet Union. Okay. The PU. PU. Cool. PU. So that's the intro. Okay. Ten years later. Mm-hmm. Love a good time jump. Yes. It's an easy way to skip a lot of plot. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to have a rolling like Star Wars style, like, and then this happens. <laughs> nah. So the prawn ship is still there. It's in orbit now. It's not just above this city. Uh, and the prawns are living in a, on a settlement. Sorry, in a settlement on the planet. Okay. But they're also, like, all over the planet as well. But there's just, like, there's different areas where they're much more densely packed. The prawns. So they're still run by their leader, Chris Evans. <laughs> I feel like I chose that name well. Yeah. And also in this time, John Christopher Johnson has uh, got married to a beautiful prawn. Okay. Um, they live together in a house. And there they... were no female prawns in the film, were there? Well, they never really specified any kind of gender. There True. Were, there were genders assumed mm. by the humans, but... That's a good point. There, were, there weren't actually any, any genders. That's true. It was hard to tell, because you, you couldn't really tell from the voices. It was just all subtitled, mm. so... Yeah. We assume that the prawn that gets shot is Christopher Johnson's friend. It could be his wife. 
Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Maybe well, we're about to find out. Oh, well, I'll continue. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so... Uh, They've been living together for a while. They've uh, they've they've got a house. They've actually got a few eggs in the house, which they're <laughs> um, hoping going to hatch soon. It's, uh, it's all quite nice and exciting. Christopher has uh, he's become a biology teacher. Okay, which I thought was the just the most generic thing that I could think of. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a nice, solid, dependable, you know, yeah, 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 service job. Good, yeah. And it's all going well. Everybody's integrating well. But then, after a while, um, a new political party is elected in you know, on this planet. And they decided they they don't like the prawns living there. Okay. And so they decide to hold a referendum. <laughs> and essentially, mm. it uh, it doesn't go well. By the way, uh, I've forgotten to mention this planet is called Cronum. Cronum. It's just a name I made up. Um, Cronenberg? Just Cronum. Okay. C-R-O-N-U-M. Okay. Mm. I thought it might be a nod to Cronenberg, the director, who does like the fly and all that kind of stuff. Ooh. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah sure yeah and so the planet of Cronum is having a referendum on whether they want to whether they want to stay in this union um, <laughs> or whether they don't this is sounding hauntingly familiar and well they decide that uh, Cronum do want to they, they want to leave the PU oh no don't do it um, no good will come of this it's a very close vote but they decided to leave the PU and oh. Nick claims his vote cracks it cracks it <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. And it's bad news because as part of this uh, departure from, from the PU, this does now mean that the prawns are going to have to leave. Okay. Which is a much bigger problem for Christopher Johnson than anybody else. Well, than, yeah, than anybody else because he's got some eggs there, mm-hmm. which they can't be moved. You know what else? Hmm? After this, they're never going to win the Cronin Vision Song Contest again. <laughs> <laughs> it's all political. Yep. Yep. So... Yeah, they're all pretty unhappy about that. They even refuse. And they say, no, we're here to stay. Yeah, We've made lives here. We're living here. Whether you like it or not, we're here to stay. Good for them. War breaks out. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> gets, uh, hmm. gets pretty bad. In this war, Christopher um, is enlisted. Enlisted? Is that the right word? Yeah, drafted, enlisted. Drafted, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Um, he's drafted in, um, and despite only being a biology teacher, he, because he is a scientist of sorts, he's put in weapons development. Okay. I wanted to come up with some kind of explanation as to why he's so good with weapons in the in District 9. Yeah, that's true. How he cobbles together a grenade out of just random crap. Well, his, his, his job could have been in weapons development, but fine. Yeah. Well, here we go. This is, this is it, set in stone. Okay, yeah. Yes, and so after this, there are, there are many CGI battles... But the prawns are holding their ground well. Okay. They're partic- particularly good with their weapons. It's you know the the, the wall's going in their favour. They don't they mm-hmm. didn't want a war, but that's what they've got now. It's now turned into a battle for the planet. Okay. What's what are the other aliens again? Uh, what do they call them? The Cronums. The Cronums. What are Cronums? Pardon? What are Cronums? Just another alien race. What do they look like? Um, they look like. Looking at things in your apartment. <laughs> uh, what's that one in the middle there? That's great. That's the singer Grace Jones. They look like Grace Jones. An entire race. <laughs> wow. Okay. So they're looking. At, it's an entire race of aliens that look like Grace Jones. Like it. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So there's a war between these aliens, uh, yeah. led by Chris Evans, um, all against Grace Jones. <laughs> do the great? Do the Cronins want to make them slaves to the Riven by any chance? <laughs> 
Yeah, and Chris Evans is uh, predominantly winning this war. Okay. Um, Grace Jones isn't so happy. Okay. And she actually uh, makes a mission happen where Chris Evans gets assassinated. Oh, okay. And he's dead. Mm-hmm. So now the prawns are without a leader. They're without their... Well, the, the leader of their hive mind. They're just... They're in chaos now. They have no unification at all. They're just all completely separate... Separate-minded people who... They don't know how to how to act like that. They don't know how to live... Um, without somebody telling them what to do. Without them working together and everything. Okay, so this is the point uh, where the District 9 prawns... Have lost uh, have lost their hive mind, essentially. And they're, yes. They're, okay, cool. So, then the Cronums march the prawns onto their ship. Mm-hmm. So, they just force them to get off the planet. Mm-hmm. Christopher Johnson is, as we see in District 9, he's one of the, m- the more smarter ones. And he does manage to uh, to take one of the eggs with him. Mm-hmm. His wife is just lost with everybody else. So, she gets forced onto the ship. So does he. Because it's a very big ship, once, once they've left, by the way, they, mm-hmm. they, they've now gone. It's a very big ship. It's in complete chaos. It's got no leadership, absolutely nothing. He never finds his wife. She is presumed dead. Aww. We don't see her again by the okay. end of the film. Well, I mean, it's established that that ship has like millions of prawns on it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The dimensions puzzled me. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. <laughs> so he's on his own with this egg. One point in the air catches. Okay. Maybe a very emotional scene. It feels a bit finding Nemo-ish now. Mm. Yeah, and... Uh, well, Chris was wondering, like, oh, what's, what's he going to do? Like, they're now they're just floating around aimlessly. Is there even anybody at the helm? Um, and so he goes to the helm to see if there's anybody there. There is. That's that yellow friend that we see in District 9. Oh, yeah. Okay. What was his name? Did he have a name? Don't know. No. The, the other prawn who gets killed? Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Uh, and so he's there, and he's actually... Uh, he, he was the pilot of the ship. Okay. He doesn't really know what to do or where to go or anything, but, you know, he knows how to fly the ship. Okay. And so Christopher, being a biologist that he has, that he, that he is, he says, "Well, okay, we need we need a new leader. We need somebody who can do this. The leaders are biologically engineered, and I can do that. But I need certain elements. I need this and this and this. I I need gold as one of the things. Mm-hmm. Find me a planet that's got gold on it. Earth is the first planet that comes up. It's got gold. That's nearby. Ah, oh, okay. Um." Approximately 1.5 light years away, so it's not really nearby, but, you know, space. <laughs> and so they set coordinates in, and the ship autopilots towards Earth. Christopher decides that his son is going to be the leader, mm-hmm. um, and he's going to have to create this serum, put it into his son, his son will mutate into whatever leader they need. Okay. And that's pretty much it. The film closes as the ship arrives in Earth's orbit. Okay. I like a film that's... Fills in all the plot holes of the film it proceeds. That's yeah, <laughs> feel like District Nine. There were a lot. Yeah, well, I uh, think he did. It looked very intentional. Yeah, don't get me wrong, but there was uh, there was a lot of a lot of potential there for uh, for a prequel. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think I've heard that Neil Blomkamp, if he was to do a District Nine, it would be a prequel rather than a sequel. Really? I think that's what he said. So that means we'll never we'll probably never know if Wickers ever becomes a human again. Mm. That's just gonna be left dangling. So what happens to the ship? Does the ship get damaged in orbit or something? What happens with the twins to get stranded on Earth? Oh, well, they get stranded on Earth because they don't have a leader. Oh, okay. So so they they all land on Earth and like they none of them can really take control. They can't really work together. None of them know how. Well, um, Christopher Johnson knows. Christopher Johnson's a little bit smarter, but he can't he can't lead them. Oh, okay. He lacks the authority. So well, it's not just the authority; it's the telepathic intellect. Mm-hmm. I don't, don't don't really know what you'd say, but the ability to 
control an entire hive of, of prawns. Mm-hmm. He can manage a little bit. Um, and in my opinion, I think that he was telepathically controlling his son to control the mothership at the end. Okay. And probably, as you said, to control the suit as well. Yeah. So his son was still a child, but because they were genetically linked, he could, Christopher Johnson could control the son a little bit. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> Go with it. Yeah. Great. <laughs> well, one thing I did consider was to do a version of this film from the perspective of the aliens. Mm. Because a lot of it comes in the eyes of the humans, so that would be an interesting... It seems like kind of what you've done, really. Initially, I was going to do that. It was going to be District 9 through Alien Eyes. Yeah. Um, but uh, now I decided against that one. I just couldn't think of a plot. Mm-hmm. I also considered a version in which they do the reverse of the transformation in which Christopher Johnson has an operation to become human or becomes ah. infected and starts turning human. Well, that would well, be interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting. But sadly didn't go there in the end. No. <laughs> I committed to my Parks and Recreation theme. Well, there's all these things we could have done. but yeah. uh, well, there, what... there were a lot of options this week because this film has a lot. There of... really were. Um, what did uh, people come up with on social media? Yes, so we do have some fan submissions. So thank you again for anyone who's submitted some of those. So here's we have some really good ones this week. Uh, Quotes or Recall. Quotes or Recall podcast. They suggested a crossover with one of our upper episodes. Ooh. They said District Wine. <laughs> In which, I love this, in which Wickers and Christopher go on a tour of the South African wine country for Wickers' stag weekend. Wow. Now he's remarrying, now that he's an alien. Yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. That's good. Uh, we Watch Anything. Uh, they have quite a few. So one of them was District 9, The Prawnson of the Opera. Okay. Uh, in which, because Wickers is in the midst of this transformation, hides his changed form from society and occupies the heating ducts of an old office building. And he starts tutoring a young girl in how to efficiently manage a department while leaving metal flowers on her desk. <laughs> so, kind of like a more dreary version of Friends of the Opera, I guess that is. Mm. Uh, then there's District 99, in which Wickers becomes an entrepreneur, starting small with a cool box and rising to command a fleet of ice cream trucks, serving cat food flavour ice cream <laughs> with rubber tyre shards in them. And eventually he forces MNU to buy his business and give him a seat on the board. Or District 999, which is a police procedural sitcom mm. based on District 99. Uh, what's that show called? Brooklyn 999? Brooklyn 99. Based on Brooklyn 999, set within the prawn community. Yeah. That would be okay, good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. All, good, all good. Yeah. We, we like a good title based pun. Similarly, Dat's Life, D A T S Life, mm. also did a good pun on the name. They did District 9 and Three Quarters, with, which is a uh, <laughs> District 9 Harry Potter crossover. Yeah, good, good. And Jack and the Geek Stalk. Uh, they wanted Charlotte Copley's character to have become an origami peddler in the refugee camp while he waits for rescue. So, because he does the origami with the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the little metal flowers. So, yeah, yeah. just following him doing that. So, yeah, all good ideas. like them a lot. So, yeah, yeah great. That's, our, that's our guest submissions for the week. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if you have any ideas for sequels you'd like to hear for to have for District 9 or prequels or spin-offs or for any of the other movies we've done in the past, then please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us on beyondtheboxset.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube now. Uh, and yeah, we're on iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, all good podcasting platforms. Please, if you like what we do, please subscribe, leave a review, five stars only. And yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, um, John, it's uh, it's your choice next. It for is, next week. Yeah. What have what you got for me? Uh, so once again, I'm taking a slight risk and doing a film I've not seen yet. Oh. But hopefully it'll work out. So after, directly after this podcast... We record this called Weeks in Advance. It's not very timely, but directly after this podcast, we're going to go watch the new Eddie Wright movie, Baby Driver. Yes. Uh, and so I thought maybe we would do a sequel to another Edgar Wright movie, which is uh, Scott Pilgrim Against the World. Ah, uh, I've been meaning to watch that. Yeah. Oh, you've got another one. We've both not seen it. Oh, good. Well, I think you. this might be good, yeah. So, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, okay. So okay, great. Yeah, because I've, I've seen the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. But I've not seen 
Scott Pilgrim. No, me neither. So I thought it'd be, I'd, I'd been meaning to, again, I've been meaning to watch it. So I thought, mm-hmm. yeah. So I thought that might be a good one to choose. So, yeah. Great. Okay. So tune right. in next week. Thematic, given our yeah. films, yeah, yeah. Indeed, yeah. So oh, tune great. in next week for uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Great. All right. Well, uh, see you all next week. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. Bye.